0: Welcome to the Urban Golf Podcast. Today we have Sean Foley on, and Sean doesn't really need an introduction, right, Mike?
1: Well, I mean, I think he's most famously known as being Tiger Woods' golf instructor for for a while there, and um, one of the best golf instructors in the world, and I think one of the most cerebral, philosophical, interesting personalities in the game of golf itself, and you know, someone that I've I've had a couple of talks with, but not in this much depth. and it was really interesting to hear you know just his perspective on not just golf but life and beyond life.
0: yeah we We spoke to Sean for almost two hours, and when we were trying to wrap it up, he was he almost looked looked disappointed. uh <laughs> we definitely could have spoken for another th- two hours and assessed a lot about his mind, uh, very, very deep thinker, philosophical. And uh, we love those conversations, and uh, uh, we kind of get deep into, you know, a lot of non-golf conversations. And that's when you when you talk to really high performing coaches, uh, you realize that uh, golf is just one part of coaching.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Justin Rose, right? He coaches him, and um, is he still coaching Justin? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's what that's what Justin says about him is that. You know he doesn't look at him. He doesn't really care about what his golf swing looks like. Although Justin's swing is quite beautiful, but he he's really interested in in what how Justin performs as an athlete and and his mindset and his 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 perspective after failure. So there's just there's so much more than what people think of him that know him as the golf instructor with the track man with the glasses, and and he's. He's really in alignment with with our values here with urban golf performance and and that's what made the conversation so fun and 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 really helps validate that we're on the right track, training our team uh, to work with all these different kinds of players. So uh, you know really really learned a lot in this conversation and and mostly around the fact that you know coaching at the highest level requires you to look at the player as a as a person, not just as a golfer,
0: yeah. I think it's interesting too. He's definitely he's getting, I think, a lot of critique for being too technical, or but then when you get to know him and you talk to him, you realize he's is far from someone that will overload uh, information to the player, uh, and maybe even more so a philosophical golf coach uh, going into a lot of different aspects, and he really really cares about his players beyond the golf course and you can tell and he really is invested into their success uh, i mean sean is a guy that has uh, just endless wins and major wins under his belt with his players so it's hard to argue his success the number shows uh how effective he's been and he's very much of a person that doesn't look too much uh, on what everybody else does he he does his own thing uh, he's obviously very smart. He reads a lot, um, and he does does it his own way. And I think uh, I really respect that.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, you know, I look forward for everyone listening in. Uh, you know, he 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 shares a really interesting tidbit on Tiger on on what Tiger is not willing to share with the general public. So. That, that stay tuned for that part of the episode and 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 uh, there's some there's some key information there is to understand a little bit more about the psychology of tiger woods and the kind of person that people that he is that people don't know about
0: yeah well guys this is going to be a, a long and fascinating ride with sean foley
1: enjoy everybody
0: hey sean How are you doing? I'm good, bud. You? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: What are you What are you up to, Sean?
2: And what's going on in your life? Uh, Just uh, attempting this parenting thing, dude. It's it's uh it's really it's very hard. I mean, you have no real option except to just accept, you know, accept the situation, Um, and then you know to understand that if you're able to find the silver lining for me i will probably never have a time uh in the rest of my kid's life uh that i will spend two or three months with them so for me you know it's the ultimate challenge you know the the ultimate challenge for me is to take my boys to the range every day and watch them hit balls and stay patient so it i've kind of always been that way you know i mean look you you can't have growth without suffering and and obviously Suffering sometimes is self-induced and sometimes it's induced by something outside of you.
0: Yeah. How old are your kids?
2: Uh my boys are the two sons, they're eleven and eight. And they're big into golf. Mm-mm. Mm. They mm. never ever went silver to silver lining in some ways coronavirus hit. Well, I mean, yeah, in some ways. I mean, a lot of people I know who are great at golf are miserable from it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But you know we're just trying to find extra things to do so you, you can only bike around the neighborhood so often you know it, so basically I, t- I i took them after they asked and then i come to understand that my son my older son had been kind of going on youtube and watching my videos and some Rory videos he'd already been doing that uh so it's been good i don't say a word to him i uh i make sure that they grip it properly and they stand properly and then I've kind of done a bit of an experiment with it because I haven't said a word to them. And I would say the first two days they were quite good. And after the 10th day, if I sent you a video of their first day and their 10th day, they got <laughs> worse.
1: They start experimenting.
2: And so, well, it's just, you know, it's just, look, society just throws around so many silly sayings, right? You know, drive for show, putt for dough, uh, you know, work hard and you'll get there. um, they've completely they've completely lost just their normal sequencing so mm-hmm. they're 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 basically starting to pull down on it come over it and and do all that so i i waited a little bit and now i'm getting to the point where I, what i've learned is if i'm going to coach them it's going to have to be
1: individual so they start fighting too and stuff i mean how how are they doing uh i have a you know 9 year old girl and then a 6 year old boy and a 9 month old boy so it's like crazy in the house right now running a daycare. But like my nine-year-old girl, she's like, it's it's so different how she's dealing with it versus the other two. Obviously the baby doesn't know what's going on, but uh, the nine-year-old girl's like, you know, all of her friends and her grandma's like down the street. She can't go hug her. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff is just like, I can't even imagine being nine years old and like being separated from your friends, all these Zoom calls for classes. Like, how are they doing with all that stuff?
2: Yeah, you know, they're, they're they're fine. I think girls probably for the most part at nine are way more advanced than the boys are. Um, Girls are tend to be more thoughtful. Uh, They're easily, um, I think school marks show that all the way to the final year of college, they outperform men in school, uh, which makes inequality in the corporate area completely atrocious. But, um, you know, they're moms, man. I mean, like, you know, a lot of times like, yeah. people thank their mom first before they thank their dad, you know what I mean? So uh, women are so integrally important, but I think that they're more evolved. Uh, I think they're more vulnerable. So they'll talk about it. Boys might just, you know, I think, you know, think about another one of those dumb sayings like real men don't cry or, you know, never show weakness. Um, I mean, those are terrible things, right? So um, I-, I think that with the boys they kind of think like that they got to be hard uh or they just cope and avoid better uh but i don't want to cope or avoid because why do i want to avoid the truth and then right. why do i want to cope with dealing with it so to me um yeah sure they miss their uh you know they miss playing basketball and the little one plays football um they miss hanging out with their buddies but you know, we talked about it and then it was like, look, you're not going to get to see them for a while. So if you complain about it again, then you are creating the way you feel and yeah. you have no one to blame except yourself that way. So, you know, the thing with some of these video games, they're not big video game kids, but they have been lately. And I mean, gosh, they get a they get their thing mm-hmm. up and they got five or six of their friends they're playing. with. I would say they've actually communicated almost better with them than when they're in the same room and they're all looking at their you know, iPads and not even talking. So, you know, the thing I've noticed in my neighborhood is, man, you could drive through this neighborhood for a month before and just see maybe another car. I've seen 50, 60 people I've never even seen before. So it's a a very interesting discussion because it's like, I now have the time to work on myself. I now have the time to go out and exercise. All the excuses that we've made to doing that and then what's difficult for so many people that I've spoke to because I've kind of been a therapist for about a hundred people And so I always take it as an honor when someone says, you know I just got to talk to you about this because I think you'll give me a different perspective on it." Look, of of course, I love, you know uh, Coaching golf and I love working with my guys And I enjoy my roommates that I travel with um, And I care deeply about all my players but I gave myself about a two hours Friday morning of the players championship. I was obviously at Sawgrass and drove back down to where I live here in Orlando. So it's like two and a half hour drive. And so I used that drive to kind of get over it and say, okay, how's this going to affect revenue massively? How is this going to uh, affect how the players are playing? Some are fortunate that it stopped and some were getting ready to like, probably really play nicely. And so I looked at all the, the kind of the, the parts of it that suck. And then as soon as I got home, I said okay, from now on, uh, I've already accepted that, I already understand that. Um now what? So what am I going to do over the next 2 months or 3 months, who knows, to uh evolve and continue to grow and continue to I mean, I've probably read like 2300 pages worth of books that have been sitting Next to my bed yeah. for probably two years. Hmm. I mean, that, and, and then what I realized is, you know, I, I, up until uh, my career kind of exploded and then I was a father and all that, man, I used to read nonstop. And to me, reading just gives me this tranquility that money could not provide, uh, external adulation couldn't provide. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about like a real peace. Um. So I kind of I re-remembered something that I used to know is that If I'm learning or inspiring people, that's when I feel the most abundant. That's when I feel like To quote Thoreau, to suck the marrow out of life uh, When my players are winning tournaments, it's great. You know, it's like you party all night You wake up the next day and then it's kind of like what's next um, so I enjoy that but I think when it comes down to it, I enjoy kind of the climb to excellence. I'm not really that interested once it's at that point. And so, you know, to me, wisdom is a really important thing in life. And you can't really get it on vacation.
1: Yeah, you get it during the grind, no. during the struggle.
2: Yeah, you got to go through it to get to it. And remember, like, even the struggle is just the words we use, you know, like grinding, struggling, suffering. Suffering is like kids with cancer. That's suffering, right? So. That's the one thing I've kind of paid attention to for the last couple of years is language. So I I was here in Florida. Golf is an essential business. That's what they've named it, right? So people are only allowed one to a cart. There's no rakes in the bunker. uh, You can't take the flag out, all that stuff, right? So they're trying to do the best they can with that. Really, if you think about it, golf is pretty social distancing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it always has been. I mean, players rarely talk to each other, you know. It so it's as far as that goes. It's it's a uh, it's a thing. But I've not been I've not been coaching a whole lot or anything like that. But yeah, I was just working with one of my young players, Andy Tsang, um, after I saw Danny Willett this morning. And Andy played on the Web last year, lost his card, and so this year he'll play the Canadian Tour. And he uh, Monday qualified and played really well at Houston at the PGA Tour event. So his girlfriend's name's Patty. And she won three times last year on the Symmetra. And so listening to these young kids, you know, talk about their game and it's so fatalistic and it's so end of times or it's, so the words they're using when I use those words, I think like in order for me to use a word like that, it would really have to be like a way, way, a much more difficult situation than like bad nine holes, right?
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that. They they were just here in uh, UGP Orange County. They came right. and did a workout with us. Uh, they're just visiting, but that's a cool couple. They're, they're really great. nice people. Yeah. They're
2: great. I've been coaching Andy since he was like I don't know, fifteen or sixteen, and he he's uh, he's he's fantastic. But you know, still another player. He's a he's a lovely player um, because he never really did anything but golf. He's just a rotator. That's just what he does. We never I never taught him to. It's just what he did. So, but he's enamored by Rory McElroy.
1: Mm.
2: Who's not? I mean, I, I yeah. I'm in love with Rory, right? Like I love him. Um, uh, like literally love him. And that's <laughs> that's him as a person, the guy I've got to know since he was like 18 years old. Um, he's fantastic. What a what he's turned into an incredible man. And uh, he's obviously an incredible player, but I think the incredible man part is 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 cooler personally. So um so Andy is a total rotator, okay? So he's going to be way more ca- kind of Calvin Mia here and, and more like of, uh, of Georgie, like George's, George's ideas. Very much how Andy moves, okay? But he's looking at the greatest player to go into a stretch phase, a counter-rotation phase, and an extension phase. So when he stops trying to do what he does, And he looks at how Rory shifts really hard laterally and then goes up. I mean, Andy couldn't hit it on the planet doing that. Right. So it's even at that age, when you work with a kid for so long and he's like, yeah, but I was looking at Rory and I'm like, well, that's the worst thing you could ever look at. Right. And I'm like, if you want to look at anybody, like look at Hunter Mayhem, you can do that. I mean, I I helped him with that too. (laughs) So it's, 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 it's really, it's really fascinating. You know, it's, even at that level of play that they're at, the the principles just aren't there. The understanding is is, is just not there. So the key to working with anyone like that, with anyone in general, especially good players, is there's principles we all have to live by. But then you have to tie in the principles into what people can do. I haven't met many men who aren't tour players who are able, as they're slightly in forward bend, Cause I'm, I'm not, I, I don't really love extension that as much as it's become really popular, but extension and left tilt isn't really a throwing action. Um, when you look at real human movement, just human movement, discus, shot foot, javelin, golf, we would have learned to move in a certain way to create enough velocity in a spear, a rock, a fist when we are fighting a sword, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think if you look at like, hogan and if you look at trevino and you look at mo norman and you look at byron nelson you see a counter rotation phase and then there's a stand-up phase later right i mean early extension isn't a problem um imagine saying to greg norman that he early extended too much so it's all it's all based on what that player's body does how they move and so the problem with golf right now is as it's become more proven of this and this and this and this, right? So I've been in the business for 25 years, ever since I was 20. And it was pretty obvious to me that when a guy came in from what we would call a flat position and rotated, he hit it really straight. Okay. So I will say that I was fortunate to never tell anyone to get the club in front of them because I just never saw them, especially with the really, really good players, right? I didn't see much shift off the ball. I didn't see massive, like, huge turns. So anyways, as you're looking at that stuff, it's all it's done is proven what the best is done. It's given more instructors better information to help them with their lessons. But, but when you go in one direction, you lose part of the other direction. So to me, like, I still use a tree at the back of the range when someone's too steep. To get them behind it with a six iron, and say just don't have the trait. Yeah, right. That's and then, awesome. but then see how they do that. Okay, so if the guy starts moving ahead of it and standing up and backing up, I'm probably not going to let him do that based on the fact that I know physiologically where that's going to end up. So yeah, it's it's kind of define the environment. Now show me what you have. And if they find it on their own, perfect. That's your job, right? Like it took me it took me a long time to give a lesson without feeling like i needed to add something because someone was there to see me yeah
0: do you know what i mean so that uh, no this is awesome uh sean i'd love to just give you some context because i don't know you know you know mac a little bit but you yep. don't know me um just before we get deeper because uh it's clear that we're gonna <laughs> go deep here which is great um so i'll introduce my so i'm leo rooney i i i'm the director of performance for urban golf performance um, my background, I'm from Stockholm, Sweden, played competitive golf for 16 years, both in college and professionally. It was never good enough to really make it as a professional, got a degree in exercise physiology. So I've been training golfers my whole career. I joined UGP four years ago, um, been training tour players, amateurs, anything in between. And then now, uh, for the last two years, really I've been starting to move into more helping Mac run the business.
2: The Swedes, them Swedes are good, eh? The, the Swedes are the Swedes are weird, and they're great. I mean, they're just another yeah. social, just another great socialist country <laughs> like Canada, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and you know, Matt can talk more about uh, the uh, UGP, and but we have soon to be three locations now here in Southern California, and you know, about fifteen hundred active members coming into us for golf coaching, fitness training, physical therapy, club fitting, We do club building, mental coaching. Um, You know, train the UCLA men's golf team. We trained Colin Marikawa, some other tour players, um, but also complete beginners.
2: How good
0: is Colin Marikawa?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm slowly falling in love with him, too. Oh, my God. Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I mean, does that kid just not come in and just demand respect with just what a – he's just elegant, dude. He's like – I remember one time watching Stanford play in a bowl game. And they interviewed Andrew Luck at halftime, and I was like, "How is that guy eighteen years old?" So yeah. when you, you know, when you run into like Colin and you look at him, you know he's a young man, but he's uh, he knows what he knows what he's doing, hundred percent. He's
0: like a pro all the way.
2: Um, all we the started, way. We started working
0: uh, almost two years ago when he was like, Cal. you can tell right away." I haven't trained a lot of players like of that caliber. But you could tell right away, there was something different with this guy, you know, how competitive he was with very simple drills in the gym. Um, so convivial.
2: But sometimes, like that's another word, right? Competitive. So if you look at someone like a Josh Wadeskin, he became one of the great masterminds of chess at the age of 18 because of his full love of excellence and the art of chess. So when people said you know, he, he was out for blood. He was just so in love with chess that he just was better. Than everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes, you know, like I just, I look at the kid and he's got an inner peace uh, about himself and doesn't mean that he doesn't want to win. Of course he wants to win. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, as spiritual as we want to present ourselves, we're also primates. Okay. And we do come from that world. All right. Period. I mean, we're not, I think my 12 year old son is pretty much at the intellectual level of a fully adapted male chimp and he acts like it. Um, You know, so to know, to know that I I would tell anyone listening to this who have young boys is to read a little bit about chimps and, or even read the chimp paradox. And I I think the more I read, the less seriously I take myself. You know what I mean? Because we're a kind of a, we're a plethora of things. You know, we have, This DNA and RNA, which has been handed down and handed down and handed down. So technically, yes, of course, people don't like losing because losing back in the day meant extinction. It meant being kicked out of the tribe. It meant all that. So this is all remembered within these massive networks Mm. um, and structures in the helix. Right. So. But I've always thought, though, the idea, like when people talk about golfers and they go, you know what? He's too nice. He's too nice to to. He doesn't win enough because he's too nice. I I don't understand. To me, nice, it's at once, it's a terrible word. Nice, like it's a nice day. That's a nice car. It's just so Mm undescriptive. But there's a difference between being kind and being nice. So if you look at Tiger Woods for all those years, no one would say that he was nice. But if you knew behind the scenes that he was raising tens of millions of dollars for uh, kids who were, Uh, I was going to say underprivileged, but I'd rather say misserved because the fact that we have poor children means they're being misserved by all of us. Um, It's not underprivileged. It's definitely misserved. So he may not have been nice, but that points to the depth of how kind he was Mm. and the fact that really, he used to get upset at me because I would do interviews and I would talk about it. He's like, I don't want you to talk about that. I'm like, what about all the great things that you do that no one talks about? He's like, I don't do it for that reason. I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. He he got really pissed off. really. Well, but that's it. Right. I mean, the thing is if you're self-righteous about your charity, dude, you're missing the plot. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't, you don't do things for people because it makes you feel good. You do things for people because you feel good already.
0: Exactly. That's what we're trying to tell the coaches that we hire. You know, you don't coach people to make yourself feel good, you know?
2: Well, I mean, dude, like, you know, as you guys know, uh, I don't have any social media. It doesn't mean that I'm against it. It doesn't mean that I'm not currently looking into the best way to utilize it, um, because I think reality as we remembered it is going to shift. And this is not going to be the same. People people desiring for things to get back to normal, there's going to be a new normal. And so to me, I never wanted to be on it as long as I could until I felt like it was necessary to have to do it. And so we're looking at doing that. But, you know, when I go on my wife's Instagram and I look at certain stuff um, and golf related stuff. I mean, I just want to grab half these guys and say, you know, when you post before and after pictures like that. okay, first of all, the only person in the world that should matter to you is that person in front of you who's paying. I believe it to be a very private relationship. Um, I believe it to be almost like state secret, Okay, state secret. So it's, it's like that. Okay, I know a lot about them, they know a lot about me, it's not for me to share with other people. My point is, is this is before my lesson, this is after my lesson. And they've shifted something by like feet, but with that new beautiful look at P6. I mean, how many balls are they going to hit out of bounds when what they normally do matches with what they're trying to do? Hmm. So just look a little deeper to understand why you want to keep posting that. Like, I get it. There, there's business, right? There's There's business. But I just, I want the business to be pure. I don't want it to be a functioning. Okay? I want UGP to do well because there's thoughtful people there. There's smart people there. And boom, boom, boom. But that to me, it's like, that person doesn't realize that what they're saying is, hey, look, I'm good at this. Don't you believe me? It shouldn't matter at all. Dude. You know what I mean? Like some people talk the talk, some people walk the walk, and then some do neither. Yeah. Right? Mandela, Mandela got up to speak to a group of angry people. And as soon as he stood up there, the whole crowd just went. I mean, we're getting into kind of more of a metaphysical world, but that's happening than just the fact that this man Didn't he have to talk about what he believed? All you had to do was watch him all day to see that. So, you know, that's the problem with the technology is the ability on these, you know, once in a while back in the day, I used to go on these golf blogs and read stuff about people and read stuff about myself. And I would just be amazed that there was that many people who had that much time to sit there for like five hours in a row and just hammer each other, trying to get them to understand, like in the theory of mirror dynamics. All the two of you are is a projection of myself anyways. So if I have love for you and I have love for Mac, that's just because I have love for myself. If I have anger and discontentment with myself, then you'll become a life-size mirror for that as well. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that my spirit bothers your demons is a very true thing when you look at criticism, when you look at things like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, I just, as I, as I see things, as I get older and I feel like I want to just have less of a filter and be more honest look the whole reason to say that isn't to knock anyone that is it's all an indirection of like love and the fact of the matter is you're doing what i'm doing for a living and you're making a living and i know what it takes to make a living in this especially the first 13 years then i'm on your side like I'm, i'm 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 i fully i fully have love for you and and i respect what you do it we're not we're not earning enough money as a group that we can sit there and waste that much time not working as we put our discontent onto other people, so to me, teaching a guy you know teaching a guy about the center of mass of the golf club and the different forces and torques we're applying to the club is great, but getting a guy to understand why he's angry at people who are successful is probably more important because what what do you think success is so you know, I mean, these are all questions that could be 200 page essays, but I just think that it's important. It's, it's important at that standpoint is you guys are doing well um, because one, people love golf. And then two, you're providing many different hybrids of how things are connected. And then you're putting the right people in there, period.
1: So like, it's you'd like. You, is it the same, Sean? Like, it's like kind of, I mean, obviously, to like you're saying, authenticity and being genuine. Above all, and that's why social media, you're it's sort of something that you sort of push away because it's such an illusion that they're in some sort of front that people are trying to create on there.
2: I'll give you an example, right? So, I was in the airport in San Francisco, I don't remember how long ago, and there was like this gorgeous girl, she was like six feet tall, she had to be Polish. I mean, I'm just I just had to be, and she was standing over beside me, and our flight was delayed, and we were flying to san francisco uh, hawaii i've lost track but somewhere like that and um i was going to work um and i don't know what she was doing i didn't talk to her but she stood in the certain light and she took a picture of herself and then she went on it and then she did it again and then she did it again and she did it again i counted 11 times so finally now she must have taken like a certain picture that she liked and then that's the one that she sent uh, and I'm speculating, but it was probably something like, hey guys, in San Francisco, on my way to Hawaii or wherever we're going, but we're going somewhere next. Mm-hmm. Um, how great is my life? And I kept giggling to myself that she just deleted herself 11 times. So as she's showing everyone how great it's going, she has to send the picture she liked the best because she knows that people are going to look at it and judge it. And man, I hope I look really pretty in this picture, but she's kept deleting herself. That's my problem. It's like it's such a phony presentation. It's not, it's not real. Like I love when a guy posts like his kids being complete jerks at the table because that's real. Um, That's real for everybody. Right. And so, you know, it's dude, we live in a society where people have bumper stickers. It says proud parent, straight A student. I've never seen a bumper sticker that said proud parent of a C student who (laughs) treats everyone equally. Yeah. That's, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying i'm I'm not saying i understand the biological pretexts to us and why that's more of a spiritual discussion than it is a biological one mm. but look look that parent is basically advertising to people i'm doing a good
1: job that's right my mom my yeah. mom actually sent me a picture of me and my sister just like like a series of them a bunch of them of us crying uh like from when we were little and she goes life isn't always beautiful because my mom hates social media like she's like and she sees my pictures, always like pictures of the business and of the family and everything looks so pretty and everyone's like, your life looks incredible. And so my mom's, you know, a series of pictures of us just saw like having tantrums as kids. And I I sent it to my sister and I was like, of I was course. like, hey, like mom just sent me these. She was like, oh my God, I hated mom when she would take pictures of us crying.
2: <laughs> I mean, my, my, my son, my son would show me this other one the other day, TikTok. hmm I mean, TikTok looks like a free university for girls to learn how to strip. <laughs> I mean, what, what is, what, what even is that? I mean, what even is that thing? And, it, and it's not even, it's not even the thing. The thing that tripped me out was that they're all doing the same dance, the same bad song. Yeah. And I was like, what this is, this is like, my, I had to, I think I had about 17 <laughs> beers after I watched TikTok. I just couldn't get it. A billion users. So yeah. I, I, I'm not saying, look, you go on social media, and you go to Will Smith's page, and Will is doing a thing that's bringing attention to the prison industrial complex in the United States, which is a real thing. That's great, like that's fantastic. There are people that are using it in great ways. I mean, look, the internet pulled four hundred million people out of abject poverty. It, it everything is going to be based in the Western world in duality. I'm more a non-duality person, but it's right and wrong. There's good and bad. There's rich and poor. There's you know, there's all these these contexts that are like that. So going to the gym is great. Going to the gym four times a day, not really. Okay. Working out is fantastic, but it's only fantastic if you recover. Mm -hmm. So do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's one guy who does a hundred ups a day and he explodes. So the other guy goes, well, I'm going to do 300 and he gets like really, really uh, injured.
0: Yeah because the actual work breaks you down unless
2: you have sleep nutrition and water yeah and and sleep how sitting there how's your blue light how you Mm -hmm. just sitting there on your bed or in your hotel and this is the thing you know that we had to deal with many many players on many many i mean the amount of guys i would say in the last five years the amount of guys who have issues kind of with their scapular area and their neck is really accommodated by this and Mm -hmm. the thing is what i've seen is i've seen. How the guys will get on it, and two hours will go by, and they're just checking, checking, checking checking yeah
1: yeah it's the new it's the new cigarette for sure, I mean, what do you like last time you and I chatted a couple years ago, you were doing a bunch of stuff in china how's that what's what's going on with that how's that being
2: affected mm-hmm. what's what's the deal there yeah, well, uh the academy I have here in Orlando fully performance academy, which is we're in connection with Lake Mary Prep. The kids come for the whole school year, and 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 they do that. It's kind of a, it's it's not going to be a farm like we've set our limit at forty. Profit is not the only thing that you think about. You think about building something, you know, um, you think about the legacy. You think about all that. And so we have a lot of kids from China. Um, last year I was made the head coach of China's national team, um, the Dream Start Initiative. Um, so that's what happens, right? When you get to a level as a coach it becomes very easy to stay at that level because you just get jobs working with kids who are already amazing at 12, right? Do so you know what I mean? Like, and you have to admit that. So over the next few years, you probably see some of my kids like win the US amateur, and they'll interview me and say, what do you worked on? And I'm like, well, you know, I got them to read a lot of books since they've been in 12, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, the one, it's, the, it's the one thing about when the people I looked at as being like true greats, so you have to understand by the time you get to a certain point, everyone who comes to you is great and danny willett came to me two years ago and he had went from seventh to 470th in the world but he'd been the number one he'd been the number one ranked amateur in the world at one time hmm. so after he won the second tournament that we had together at Wentworth, and he played just so insanely good that place is so good and he played it was poetry really uh some of the most beautiful golf i've ever seen anyone play this lady came up to me and said uh, Uh, I just want to congratulate you on the work you've done with Danny. I said, yeah, he's swinging a lot better. You know, he's hitting a lot further now and all that. She goes, no, no, no. I've been watching him since he was like 16 and I was always a fan of him. And I enjoy watching him now because he looks like he's so much more himself. But that's, that's look, dude, I don't get me wrong. I love, I have 17 page text stream from my friend, Kevin Duffy yesterday, who if you guys were smart, you'd bring in and have him hang around for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you're smart have them come in and basically have all your trainers and stuff go in, listen to what his ideas are. Uh, When they came back in the morning after their brain exploded, uh, then they'd be ready again. No, he's great. Look, I I like to geek out. I like to talk to Sasho. I like to talk to my friends on tour. Mm. I like to talk, right? But I don't know, man, You, you see all these videos, you know, they got these videos about, uh, Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill, they all had their own 30 for 30s. And Krzyzewski always comes up, obviously, right? And they don't talk, they don't address ever anything about basketball, right? They they knew that this guy loved him and would do anything for him. And they trusted him as a man. And he he brought out what was in there that they couldn't bring out themselves. But it's already in there. Because technically, I mean, look, if you can guy said you know sean you've had two players go to n- number one in the world and many players get into the top 10 in the world and i'm like one i don't count tiger because tiger's tiger and two Justin rose almost won the british Open when he was 17 all i helped him do was find what was already there
1: what do you think sean because mm-hmm. you're known a lot mm-hmm. for like junior development like and you have that academy in orlando and you know i went to img academy in 2001 or 2002 and I was there with Gary Gilchrist, and then you know my group was like Paula Creamer, Julieta Granada, Casey Wittenberg, and all these guys. And like, what what do you 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 talked about a farm earlier? And can you talk a little bit about like your thoughts on that academy IMG, maybe what you're doing and and how it's different?
2: I normally talk about what I'm doing and, and not against what anyone else is doing. I don't even. I don't have the time to look at it, right? I'm, I'm sure that if I look deeply enough at myself, I can point my finger at myself all day too. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, for the most part, you know, are you running a business? Is it, is it solely about business, right? So, you know, look at people who short the market, right? Like they want, they want society to fail in order for them to make money. I couldn't make money like that. If someone else can, that's fine. It's, it's whatever, you know? To me, it's more about like inclusion and not division. It's more about building things up than breaking things down. I think the problem with those academies back in that day, at that time when you went, was that it was just cookie cutter. And it was just, you know, we're all gonna hinge it like this, we're all gonna do this, we're gonna get it down in front of us, we're gonna stay in our posture, and we're gonna touch our knees in the finish. Some garbage, right? So there's no, there's no room for that anymore because you could argue back then that there wasn't really as much true understanding as we have now so you know we're going to see swings on the tour that are going to probably look different than they did at that time but they're probably going to look really similar where they're supposed to be good right so i've never really seen two great ball strikers look incredibly different if you know what you're looking for so I think along that line, I don't think that those guys meant to do any damage to anybody. I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure that, that at that point, they thought, look, dude, in, the, in, the, in World War II, the Navy was the Navy. They didn't want black men to fly planes at night because they didn't think the Negro could see in the dark. I mean, come on. Like, tell me mm-hmm. that's not sustaining a way different agenda than that, right? Because mm-hmm. the Tuskegee Airmen, like, kicked ass. So. There's there's always these types of ideas. There's always agendas behind things. I don't think it was anything like that. I just think it was like, okay, David led better, coach Nick Faldo, and Coach Nick Price, and obviously did a lovely job with them, right? Um, the word that people use, golf instructors, lead poisoning. I mean, what have you done? Like, what have you accomplished in your career? Do you know what I mean? So, like, like me, like lead, look, dude, every time I'm sitting out there on a PGA tour. I'm there because that man decided that he was going to create a whole industry that didn't even exist, mm-hmm. but he just loved golf like me. So what's the use in denouncing? It was a different time. Uh, did he try and do his best? A thousand percent. Has he outworked almost everybody? He still does. So the thing is to hear these younger guys go, oh, Butch Harmon and Ledbetter and these guys, They Jim mm-hmm. Flick and what do they know? A, a it's lot, such a waste a of
1: energy because you know I, one of my favorite quotes is like those who have gone before us have cleared the trees so we can see and i remember i remember seeing that when i was first starting ugp and i'm like god it's so good and everyone's like oh you know like is oh you're like golf tech but like so, so much good. better or you're like this or you're like that or you're like this i'm like i'm like everything man i've been studying everything that's out there and i and there's not one expression of golf instruction or golf performance that i don't find fascinating especially if it had any sort of staying power there was there's aspects you can learn from.:
2: Well well, you know you know what a guy said to me about golf tech? He's like, "Well, golf tech, just use a stack and tilt model." And I'm like, so do you not like the idea of the diaphragm starting more left in setup based on the asymmetry of the body?" He's like, "Well,, uh, well what do you mean by that?" I'm like, "Well, if you don't understand that, then I'm not going to explain it to you." I said, "Do you not like the idea of having more pressure on your left foot so you can push yourself into your right?" Do you not like the idea of a big turn with a really deep hand path? I said, if you haven't noticed, most amateur golfers do the opposite of that. So if you ask me, stack and tilt or max draw pattern is a very, very good place to work with amateur golfers, okay? Because they're going to learn how to get to impact. They're going to have more understanding of what it is, okay? Could it possibly lack a little bit from a dynamic standpoint, from a stretch short, and cycle standpoint, from an elastic-recoil standpoint? It could, but man, I'll tell you what, if you can get someone who slices it their whole life to start the ball slightly right and hit a little bit of a draw to even a hook, man, you're going to be in their will. So even, even hearing that comment by that guy, it's kind of like trying to get people to understand, look, you feel this disparately about yourself. You just find something to put it on. It's got nothing to do with that thing. It's your estimate of it, which is more a reflection of you. So to me, the theory is all of us, all three of us are Steven Spielberg, okay? And if we're in a good mood, we're gonna present a movie. And if we're in a bad mood, we're gonna present a movie. The fact of the matter is that when people think, the reason this time is so hard for people, uh, even more so than normal, is because one, they're not as busy so they have more These thoughts that they push away because they've got shit to do. They don't have shit to do. So those thoughts just keep arising, right? So people losing their mind that way because they're not understanding kind of the virtue, the nature of thought and feeling and that connection. Um, And that most thoughts, I mean, they might as well be the ticker on Sportsnet, right? They just go by, just don't pay attention to them. Um, Because most of those types of thoughts are just mental constructs of previous experience that are also in our born is in our DNA. Okay. Like fear is a very necessary thing. If you want to continue to, uh, not be extinct. Okay. I had to be afraid at some point I had to be afraid of the woolly mammoth after it killed all the elders in (laughs) the tribe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, so people like, yeah, man, I I just want to play golf with no fear. It's like, fear is not a bad thing. Just understand that most of the time you're feeling that your brain is trying to protect you in the moment. So it's pulling on the memory of previous experiences. So, yeah, I remember that time when you were 13 and you hooked it in the water to lose the U.S. junior. Well, that's 10 years ago. You're just feeling that right now. You can't really have doubt in the present moment in the situation you've never faced before. So that's the that's the double edged sword of the memory. Right. Memory is really important for survival. And then it also can allow us to be really, really depressed. and 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 really upset,
0: so I have a question around uh technical versus feel you know you I think that's a discussion that comes up when when you hear you talk. you know it's a game of feel, well, we have a lot of science now. When you look at you know the research in attentional focus and motor learning and skill acquisition, you know the works of like Gabriel Wolf and a good friend of ours up here is dr. Will woo
2: Will woo, Wu.
0: I love will you know. It's fairly, you know, clear in research that the closer the focus is externally, the better we perform, versus internally the 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 performance decreases. In golf coaching, I think across the board, that research hasn't really been you know applied that much. Do you, why do you think that is? And do you, do you look at that research and, and utilize that and try and limit the words, like the body parts and body movements in your coaching?
2: What I know is I've seen wounded warriors who are paralyzed hit a golf ball 285 yards in the air. I've seen, I've seen guys in artificial legs that are straight to the hip hit it 300 yards in the air. Okay, I've never been in a wounded warriors thing or helping vets or anything like that. Um, where I've seen a guy hit it really well with no arms. So, if you really want to simplify it, they never said that Nolan Ryan had a great leg drive and fast hips and whatever. They said he had a great arm. Okay. So, Bob Toski wasn't far off when he said, when you swing the hands, when you swing the club properly, the body will react to it. Now, no one was listening to a guy who was like five foot seven, 125 pounds and carried it 285 yards at 65 years old. And so they said, well, imagine if you learned to use his body, you don't think in the swinging and throwing action that I'm going to be creating counter rotations and massive stretches across fascia and massive oblique slings and all these things. So to me, here's what golf does right now. We see a second baseman in the world series and he's sitting there and And the ball gets hit, and he makes like an incredible diving catch, right? What we do now is go look at how much linear and vertical force he put in the ground to catch the ball. What was he trying to do? What was his intention? Catch the ball. Okay. He did that as a result of the intention. So the cargo is right here. Okay. The ship is the rest of it. So for me, if vertical force is the way to hit the ball further, and how do you explain Gary Woodland? How do you explain Cameron Champ? From a technique and a field standpoint, if I was just to say to my kids right now, swing your swing, they're getting worse every day. Mm-hmm. What phase are they at? Yeah, for sure. So it's very difficult. I don't think many people have learned the alphabet on their own. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So the, the thing is, there's got to be some uh, teaching in there. When you get to higher level players, whether it's kids at UCLA, whether it's Whoever it is, PGA Tour players, I would probably say in a lesson, say today, for example, I was with Danny Willett for an hour and a half. I said two things to him that were about golf. The rest we were talking about our kids and stuff like that. And I probably edited and vetoed myself 85 other times. So when I go through the consciousness and I go from up to down, when I, get, when, when I go from up to down, when I get in the down, I just naturally become insecure. Okay. At that point. Right. I'm not insecure up here at all, but I get insecure here. I feel that when I get to that point, then I start yeah, talking. I, love, way love that, Sean. I
1: mean, where did you develop that self-awareness from just through experience? We try to so hard to teach all of our staff that like, be aware of what you're saying and how it affects others. And it's constant discussion. How? how where did you develop that self-awareness from?
2: I don't know, man. I think, I think, you know, I was just like a strange kid, you know, I mean, I started listening to hip hop when I was nine years of age. I have not stopped to this day. I listen to it at least two or three hours a day. And really, if you look at the real great MCs, and I'm not talking about people on the radio, I'm talking about like the Rory's and Tigers of hip hop. Just the level of vulnerability, the honesty that they have about themselves, where they came from, why things are like that always interests me. Um, I started to kind of move towards Buddhism when I was about 12 years of age. So I started meditating and studying everything about the Dharma and the Four Noble Truths. I got into Taoism quite a bit. I looked at Hinduism. I studied Christianity, Islam. I studied a lot of that stuff uh, growing up. And so basically, I think a lot of it comes from that like things that are unconscious to me that I don't even really know now. I just read it so many times. It became, you know, part of me, right? And then... You know, look, 2013. I had my best year ever from a business standpoint. I mean, the guys won like nine times that year, They're so it was crazy. Like, it, even on mini tours, people were setting records and money lists and all that stuff. It was the best year I ever had. Um, and in December, at the end of the year, um, I just remember thinking to myself that I've never been more miserable than I am right now. Whereas, I was at the place I always wanted to be at, mm. and so. Being aware at that point, I could have just kept going and kept going and then see all my relationships fall apart and all that stuff. But basically, I kind of got to a point, and it's going to sound slightly morbid, but it isn't if you hear me through. So I was sitting there one day in Jamaica. <laughs> that just gives everything away, doesn't it? I was, I was, in, I was in Jamaica, and I was all by, and I was all on a Rocky by beach. Yeah. Okay. I, yes. Now I know you guys are in a legal state, so it doesn't matter. But anyways, okay. The amount
1: of people that come in think we're a dispensary in LA—it's insane.
2: <laughs> the first thing I thought, I was like, "Man, that's suggestive, right there." Um, hey, uh, hey, what are you guys selling here? I'm like,
1: no, It's golf <laughs> lessons,
2: man. <laughs> but but basically, I was sitting there, and I just had this that, this thought popped in my head about like, what's the last sixty minutes of my life going to look like? I, and so when people, when I say that, people are like, "Oh, dude." Uh, Overall, as a society, we're terrible at thinking about that because, and it's the only guarantee we have left, you know what I mean? The only guarantee, but we're just not good at it. And I think it's because we just don't look into it and people go, don't think about that. Like, if you think about that, that'll happen. That stuff, that doesn't happen. Okay. You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. So he says, uh, 60 minutes. So basically from that day on, this is quite a, quite a long time ago. I started thinking about, all right, in the last 60 minutes of my life, what am I going to think about? So I'm going to think about golf. It's been a part of my life since I was 10. I've worked literally at a golf course since I was 10. Uh, I'm going to think about philosophy. That's been a huge part of my life. And I'm going to think about hip hop. It's been the soundtrack of my soul. Okay. Hip hop and jazz, you know. Um, Now, who's going to be in the room? Okay. So I'm thinking who I would Want to have in Obviously, my wife, my two sons, probably a couple people I know now, and maybe a couple people I haven't met yet. Within that, who's come to see me in the last three days? Okay. So I mark them with a level of importance as far as time, right? So even though time is a social construct, it's still a real thing. I mean, we can't get that crazy. So basically, if it's not in my 60 minutes, it doesn't matter. So what happens is you get older, you realize that not much matters and what matters matters even more. And that's that clarity. That's the tranquility. That's the idea. So for me, my players uh, miss a cut and then I go, 60 minutes? No. Like the, the big tournaments my players won, I won't even think about in the last 60 minutes. They may because they hit every shot. I have a very small part and you know I charge accordingly. I charge 5% of what they earn on the golf course. right? So how at 5% can I send to the world this alter ego of how important I am? It's 5%. Uh, Look, I'm grateful that that is 5%, but it's 5%. So between me and the caddy, say a caddy's average 8, we're now at 13%. So the player is 87% of every win and every miscut. That's just the math of it. You have to look at it that way. So that's why when Roosevelt or was it, was it Roosevelt or Eisenhower basically talked about all the glory goes to the man in the stadium so along those lines, right? That's it. So the thing is when you fully understand that deeply and you know it, and then you read an article about what a shit job you're doing as a coach, you're just like, hey, <laughs> I love
1: that. that. It's, just, it's just so devoid of the ego that you can actually like sense the stillness and be able to decide the right words to say.
2: Now, that being said, you got to understand on, on my way up, um in doing what I was doing and you know working like man working so hard and so much uh, to the point of pure obsession okay the thing about obsession is obsession feels like love but it's not the same energy okay like when I was in high school and I thought I was in love with this girl but she wouldn't talk to me that's because she was creeped out because (laughs) I was actually obsessed with (laughs) okay it it feels like love but it ain't love okay all right that's the deal But the point is, I got so obsessed by it that I actually, and this is funny to talk about, but in talking about things that that you've done that's really stupid, it's the best form of therapy. I used to refer to myself as Midas because every player I worked with turned to gold. So trust me, where I'm at versus how I got there is completely different. I just got tired, man. I just got tired of living like that. I just got tired of the need for external adulation. I just got tired of the need to be in a beautiful car. I got tired of it, everything. I was tired of me, you know.
0: Well, so, what, if that was more external, like you were kind of obsessive about it, it was more external things. What is your true why? Like, what's five layers deeper than I love golf and I love helping others? So that's a, that's a that's a dangerous question with Sean
2: right now, Leo. No, I Yeah, like what what's down there? I just don't know, mate. I just don't think that, I don't think it really serves a purpose to go that deep because the whole idea of Sean is an identity of I am, but what am I technically, right? I'm just consciousness, right? So the, when people like, that guy doesn't know who he is, I guarantee the person saying that doesn't know that either because asking yourself like, who am I? It's like kind of stupid, no, I meant right? Like, I more it's,
0: what drives you then. Like, what, why, do you, why do you keep going?
2: Well, um, to me is I enjoy learning and I enjoy inspiring people and to be honest with you, you know I would I've spoke to a lot of really great therapists not a couple. I went to see and then a couple I just spoke to and They have by the way most of them actually have therapists and the interesting part is like The one the one therapist in toronto said to me dr. Uh, dr. Minden said to me, um that people uh people give the advice that they need to hear the most so i have an opportunity in eight lessons a day to literally work on myself eight times more because that's what i'm asking to do so for me it's really important like when i get on my kids about working out obviously you guys may know my roommate craig davies on the road um Craig Davies, in my opinion, is one of the greatest chiropractors in all of sports. Uh, he's an incredible guy. He knows human movement. He's probably forgot more about human movement than most people who are looked at as being experts know. Um, the level of treatment and where he's going with this therapy and using physics over chemistry is fascinating, fascinating stuff, right? So when I think about golf, people from, from all the way to like Gallia to... Alejandro to Craig to Pachkowski, pretty much the people I've studied with the most are all physios, trainers, and chiros. I don't really talk about, when I want to talk about the golf swing, I'll call someone like Scott Lynn or Sasho. I want to really speak to like a PhD about what their thing is, right? And and so th- that that's kind of how I look at it. But to me, look, like I said, I feel the most abundant. So when I would feel the most abundant was when I was probably being really authentic. Okay. But I just think because of socialization, it's so difficult for us to know a lot of people would say, I am this. And that would just be what they were produced into.
1: Well, it seems like Sean too, like a lot of times we've chatted, it's like, and I've seen you talk, you talk a lot about mental health. And it's like, I remember you talking a little bit about when you were younger and like it seems like mental health is like a big part of your, you know, your aura and the way that you affect the players around you and your community. Um, that just seems like something that I think that people don't know that much about you, but i studying you. And I, I kind of really aligned with you and identified with you in that way, because so much of what I'm doing with this business is about mental health.
2: Man, I'm telling you, bud, that's, that's it. I mean, think about, think about a, Think about a week like when Danny Willett won the Masters, right? So he wasn't expected to play in it because his wife was about to give birth. Then uh, Danny grew up in a, in, a, in a great family. He's a family guy. His wife's lovely. Um, and so he has his son. Zach arrives early, and then Nicole says, hey, honey, you can go and play the Masters. So he shows up at the Masters, right? Um, he's been playing nicely, uh, been playing well. Um, he shows up, and I wasn't coaching him then, but I was friendly with him. And the first thing he does is show me pictures of his wife holding his son, right? And look, if he misses the cut, he gets to get back on a plane and go home and see his new son, okay? If he doesn't, he gets to play the weekend at something else he loves, not as much as this son now. He doesn't know how fast he loved him that much, but he does. He can't he starts the week, he can't lose me. But you can't lose because you just can't lose, all right? Because if you lose, you're just learning, and if you win, you're just winning. So if you if you look at it the right way, if you look at what's essential, right? What what is essential in my life? Water, shelter, food, exercise, love. And you can see that in other species that don't even have the cognition we have, right? Love. Am I missing anything? Oh, and some money. Okay. So there's, there's been enough studies. There's been enough studies from places where people will study this for 30 years, where I think the number is like $80,000. Okay. Now that would depend, like if you lived in New Mexico or New York City, let's, we, I, we don't, I'm just trying to make a, a macro point. Okay. So, that's what I need to do. So, if all of my essentials have been met, like, what is there? What else is there? So, to me, what happens when people go and chase, you know, when, when they go and chase those dead presidents, um, or they chase fame, or they chase adulation, uh, most people are very dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Just dehydrated. Yeah. Like, they don't have enough water. The cell is made up of 99% water. If you're dehydrated, you will not function often. Yeah, my,
1: grand, my grandfather who became like a wealthy doctor who was an orphan, he, he would always say, because he ended up, he goes, you know, one of the worst things, he kind of grew up communist too, like in Mexico, intellectuals in the 50s. And he would say, he, go, he would tell us all the time because we're, you know, the next gen, the third generation, right? And all the cousins, we all grew up wealthy. And he would mm-hmm. tell us when he'd sit us around, he'd say, the man who needs the least has the most. And that was a constant quote he would tell his kids because (laughs) he's like, "You're just if you want, you're never gonna stop wanting," and it just going and going. So understanding what
2: is essential to you is look like Jeff Bezos, right? Incredible. I mean, start with three employees uh, and and do what he did, right? But you know, when you're at hundred billion, how many mom and pop shops, how many stores? How many people were put out of business because of Amazon? Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that it's a dog-eat-dog world. And if you take that approach, then that's fine. Business is business. Just like Tiger's trying to win 19 majors, I'm sure there's something about being the richest man in the world that matters to you. I'm not to say that I don't have to live his life. He probably does incredible things with that money as well. So that's wicked. But my point is, it's like, like at $10 billion. I, you know what I mean? So. <laughs>
0: like, well, the research that you talked about, I think there was diminishing returns, uh, you know, above eighty thousand a year. Like that, that's when it starts to hap- happen. Well, so here's doesn't the deal. change after that.
2: Okay, so let's look at now. Let's go back and let's look at my greatest year on the golf course, 2013. um All the things I wanted, you know, front cover of Golf Digest, second behind Butch Harmon, voted by a bunch of people I've never met before. But I used that adulation as like something that was wicked cool. Um God, I must have taken so many pictures of myself in airports with the just the picture of the thing. It was really, really funny, right? And so as soon as I understood like what had happened and what had occurred, and then I had all of Christmas in like the first part of January to get very introspective. And the thing about introspection, it's really great, but at first it's the scariest shit in the whole world, right? It's the scariest thing to do. So during that time let's go back to essential, right? I probably was dehydrated. Um, I wasn't eating well at all. I wasn't really sleeping well. I had love, but like my mom called me one day and left a message to call her back and then told me that I had not called her or my father in five months. And then my wife said to me, look, here's the deal. I'm really great. You had a great year. If next year is the same as this year, I probably won't be here at the end of it. So what I would have had, you know, nine wins, a ton of money and everything that was the most important thing to me is I'm pushing it away. That's not essential. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? So it's, that's, that's what it is. I feel like I've found now a really good sense of presence to being able to be the best husband I can be. And some days that's better than other days, but I'm still just doing my best anyhow. Right. There's no real book on being like super husband. You know what I mean. Um, being a father, being a coach, having an academy and all that to where uh, I want to make sure that each day I have two hours to myself where I can go ride my bike for 20 miles or I can go and do TRX in the park for an hour and a half and then meditate for half an hour. Okay. You couldn't put a price in that two hours that I would stop doing that two hours because I could make X amount here. Now, I'm, I'm saying that everyone has to build to their own level. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to do well enough that people will say, well, you can do that because this. I get that, I get that. But I could have continued just to chase it and go after it as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think happens in times like this, that people are so busy uh, chasing this illusion that was really built as they sat on the couch and watched commercial and beautiful blonde and tall, dark with blue eyes. And boom, 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 all the shit, right? All the stuff. Um, I mean, dude, when I was like, what, 10 years old, I was going to have a mustache and a hairy chest and a Ferrari <laughs> just like. You don't? Uh, I don't have a mustache. I do have a hairy yeah. chest. I what don't have a Ferrari. And I'm not 6'5. <laughs> yeah, so
0: I'd love to go back to coaching, Sean. When, uh, you know, when Max started UGP, he, he, his coaching style was very much through analogies, metaphors, storytelling. Comparisons. Um, And I guess you could call that more feel coaching rather than technical coaching. Sure. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the research and you say, okay, if someone is too steep and you have them just hit over the tree to get them uh, a little bit um, more shallow, without any instruction, you're changing their body movement. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is like, how is that now more prevalent when the research is so clear? Or if someone is too shallow and instead of talking about their wrist angles and their da-da-da-da, you have them just hit it under the branch or an uh, imaginary mm-hmm. line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that is that more prevalent? Is it becoming more prevalent? Or are people still talking about positions and body
2: parts? I don't focus on what other people are doing. I just I'm just completely on myself yeah. and what's in my sur my, my surrounding. You yeah. know? But so I I would I would say. With Instagram and all the P ones and twos and threes. I mean, the P's are kind of funny, right? I think it makes sense in the, it to be able to help someone over a video and say, if you look at this and you look at this, but the only positions in the golf swing, dude, are the setup and the finish because there's no motion. So you, you can't have positions in movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the by the time that thing gets to where it gets at six, all the opposing forces, all the interactive things that are happening, you got one guy who has a retroverted pelvis and another guy has got an introverted pelvis. You've got one guy who's varus and one guy who's valgus. You have one guy who's actually supinates in his ankle. The other one pronates. It's like, I get they're kind of in a similar place, but they're getting there in, in, in different ways. They're working around themselves. Right. And so, I mean, do you think anyone would have ever taught Calvin Pete to hit it? Like to swing, like he swung. He obviously had a passion for hitting golf balls and figured it yeah. out and did it. Did it around all of his asymmetries and his limitations. Yeah. Now, when you look at what he did, it makes sense that he hit it so straight. Yeah. It might have looked funky. It might have looked funky. But if a Ford has a Lamborghini engine in it, it's a Lamborghini. It's not a Ford. If a Lamborghini has a Ford engine in it, it's a Ford. Yeah. So, you know, just as much as society does do, aesthetics. So when I was a kid, we used to read Golf Digest and they would say, like, the best swings on tour. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, you know, it would be like Tom Pertzer. I remember Tom Pertzer all the time, right? But I think if you go back and look at the data and ball striking, he was nowhere near the ball striker that Jim Furick is. Yeah. So if you look at Jim Furick and people go, oh, look if, you know, they said, it, Ben Wright said he looked like an octopus falling out of a tree, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you, under, if you understand human movement and then you understand geometry and then you understand the physics, man, that guy from from rib to rib he is as good as it can get mm-hmm. so do you know what yeah, i mean yeah so aesthetics for st-
0: you is not correlated with performance
2: of course not yeah. i mean how about victor hovland to draw it he stops and then starts again because yeah. it works yeah. more i mean how how many guys have i coached who will be hitting it so nice dude i mean like i would maybe kill a man to hit the ball like that <laughs> kill <him. laughs> I mean, I just, I'm like sitting there in total awe at how good it is, right? Especially when you know what goes into it and they'll see their video and go, I don't like that takeaway. Mm, what don't you like about it? Like, all we're trying to do right now is keep the diaphragm left and get into adduction and some kind of stretch phase. I just don't like the way it looks. Uh, I like it more toe up it looks better when it's more toe up and i'm like yeah but when you do that you block it because it gets laid off and then you get on it yeah but i don't like the way that looks. so ben hogan sam sneed as much as i love the idea in today's day and age that we can uh, have more evidence but even we're confusing the evidence right like ground reaction forces for example it's I would really, really, really be into ground reaction forces in a big, big way if I was an Olympic lifting coach. Okay. The fact that a golf club, as uh, Satchel makes this point, and it's really clear, right? The fact that the golf club weighs closer to a badminton racket than it does a sledgehammer, the fact that we've seen so many different traces and so many distributions of ground ground reaction forces, it's a reaction it's a reactive force to something. Okay. So do you, do you see what I'm saying? I, I think that when it comes down to it, I'm more probably along the guidelines of just like real human movement in the production of how we do it through all the planes of our body, uh, through the elastic principles, and then I think the person who's been the most bang on by far is Sasho, as far as scientists who've said, hey, look, here's what I think, boom, boom, boom. Now I know him and Nesbit, and I know that they don't all see eye to eye with the HubPath stuff. Look, I've been studying all that stuff for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, and, and a lot of times I've learned a lot of things where I said to myself, you know what? You really didn't need to know that. Like that's way above your pay grade. Why do you feel you need to chase like, every single angular velocity of this and this and that because if you think about it like all the great ball strikers for so long they never saw a video they never saw one single number they had biofeedback so I think sometimes the problem is these things give us the ability to have cognitive feedback which may help our understanding so if you can get someone to under spin, understand spin law Justin Rose is that kind of guy Danny Willis that kind of guy They want to know, because what happens is once they know, they become much more lethal on their own of figuring it out. And, you know, I've known Will Wu for a long time, and I really like Will Wu a lot. And Will made a comment to me one day, years ago, 2011, maybe 2012, maybe, I don't even know. Um, And Will said, you know, when people learn something on their own, it's remembered like Mm -hmm. way more than if they're taught it. Mm. So. That's, that, that would be something when I'm teaching that's always constantly in my head. So if, if I go down to see Justin Rose in the Bahamas and he's not really hitting it that good or swinging that good, and if he's not, it's because he's just been really busy um, and he hasn't been doing it. If I videoed him and sent you the video and then I put him in a sand bunker with a six iron in bare feet and then sent you the video at the end of a hundred shots, I mean, it looks like he goes from 40% body fat to 7%. And I have not said a word. So that, that's, uh, I, w- I would say that every time I give a lesson, I'm overcoaching and, and, I, and I'm aware of
0: that. Yeah, Will says the one doing the work is the one doing the learning.
2: There yeah. You know. yeah, Will, no, that, that, stuff is, that stuff is great. But remember, you know, Will might five years from now after more studying say, you know what I said 10 years yeah. ago? Sorry. So remember. When people are certain of things, that scares. Well,
1: Sean, Sean, you said earlier, like how many of your circle in in your coaching, you spent a lot of time with, you know, physios and with strength coaches, and you know, and 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 have a lot Venture, of share all those. Yeah, things. exactly. So um, one thing, one criticism we guys we were starting our business and kind of as I was looking at sort of traditional golf instruction was the conversation of stay in your lane, and it sounds to me like so much like i've identified with you so much in the talks you've had because like i was like man i'm not just a golf instructor just because i could play good golf when i was younger and i understand the swing like i it was more like man i you know there's so many life lessons and then and then i want to study i studied neurobiology in college and cognitive psychology and then i got into you know i wanted to be surrounded by guys like leo that could talk about you know about strength and conditioning and fitness and how that leads to performance and then around club fitters. And so that's what sort of created the brand was that I think having a think tank of people with different professions and sort of everyone kind of breathing and living with that within that ecosystem ends up producing the best results versus saying like, I don't know anything about that. I'm just going to stick to what I know. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, look, staying in your lane is, is really important in many cases, right? Like, But I I think because I reached out and learned so much from other people, when my players uh, were hurt or they were struggling with something, putting or whatever, whatever it was, I knew the guys who knew what they were doing. So I knew enough to know who was just a marketing expert and who actually was competent. Mm See what I'm saying? But, But how could you... Like even the golf machine basically talks about the golf swing without even ever mentioning how muscles work, how force is generated, how anything like that is. So, you know, like think about all the people who come to see you guys. And I was with this guy the other day and we were talking about, uh, he was talking about power and he's talking about ground reaction forces and this, 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 this. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I said, so how many clients do you have who are like older, who have come to you and they're good players, but they want to get hitting it as far as they used to? And he was like, well, I have quite a few of those guys. And I said, so do they look strong enough to create as much speed as they used to? And he's like, yeah, they're like six two, They're big men. Okay. So what's changed with a 55 year old man versus a 25 year old man? He's probably equally as strong. The golf club still doesn't weigh very much. What's he potentially probably lacking that he had at one point? Elasticity, period. Okay, Cameron Champ says it the best. Cameron Champ says it the best, okay? He never talks about feeling his hips. He never talks about feeling his legs. He didn't talk about that. He says to me at 15 years of age, he comes to see me and he hits this four iron. And it's the first shot I see him hit. And I don't know if you've ever seen like a car accident, but when you see a car accident, even if you're the Pope, you're going to swear. You can't not. It's just like, you just swear, you blurt something out, right? So he hits this forearm and it comes out like a bullet train out of a tunnel. And I just went, holy. <laughs> and so I apologized to him. I mean, you know, he's 15 years old, right? I've just dropped, I've just, I've just dropped the F-bomb with a holy representation. Not good, right? And uh, I said, son, how far do you hit that? He's like, uh, uh, like up in the air or low. I just said like a normal. He goes, I can carry it about 240. I'm like, okay, how far can you carry your driver? He's like, I mean, how far do I have to? And I said, hey, hold on. Let me get my track man and let me get my swing catalyst. And I want to put you on there. And so he's a bit cheapest about, I said, look, I'm not going to show you anything. I just want to put it on there um, because you're a stick of dynamite and I don't want you to blow up. So I just want to measure all this stuff. And so I put him on the swing catalyst and he starts hitting balls. And at that point, I'm kind of early on in my understanding. This is 10 years ago I had, I, I, nine years ago I had, but I sit there and I'm like, man, this is not what me and Scott Lynn have been talking about. <laughs> right? Like, this is, not, this is not what we've been talking about. I'm like, oh my God, all right. Uh, so I turn it off and I turn the machine back on and it does the same thing again. And I'm like, man, something's wrong with the machine. So I, I literally call the tech guy and ask him like, am I doing this right? Like, He's like, yeah. I said, just, I'm losing my mind. Take me through it. So it's up. I said, thank you. He does it again. And he's like 185 ball speed. And I'm looking at this, I'm looking at his trace. And it, it looks like a kid who's two years old, who's drawing his giraffe to give you for the fridge. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's got, it's got more lines. I don't even know what the analogy is, but it just looks like it's everywhere, right? Just looks like spaghetti thrown on a page. And I start looking at these numbers, and I'm like, hmm, "That doesn't make sense either." And so I said, "Okay, kid, here's the deal." I, I thought the machine was broken. By the way, at the end, that was my theory was it's broken, and they came to fix it, and it was fine. Okay, so I'm watching this 15 year old kid hit it miles right, uh, and it's every balls just all over the place because he doesn't. First, lesson I taught him was uh, gear effect. So years ago, James lights. Showed me how to spray the face and I started spraying the face. So, a kid at that speed could think he had a terrible swing when he hit a driver. He just didn't really understand, right? So, that was our first lesson. Second lesson was I wet the ground and it made him hit wedges and bare feet and he could almost not take it back without slipping, right? And so, it took him a long time to hit like what we would say is a world class 75 yard shot because the guy who's the best at hitting it hard with no spin probably isn't going to be the best quickly at hitting it soft mm-hmm. with, with a lot of spin. Okay. Like I personally think you say, if he came back, he could win the 400. He would have to learn how to cruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? It's his nervous system does one thing and it's just go fast. Yeah. Right. So a bird is a bird because it flies. So when people to say to me, man, Cameron just has this mental block with his irons. I'm like, no, he doesn't. They just go so many different distances. Right. So it, funny, people ask me for videos of Cameron all the time, and all I have is like lob wedge, sand wedge, fifty-two, and pitching wedge. <laughs> I don't even take I don't even take videos of anything else because we don't ever do anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I do I have two driver videos of that kid. Can you imagine that? I mean, it, it's like I have so many lob wedges, and I got some great ones, dude, from when he was younger, and it was coming down like this and it impacted us like that, and it was just amazing. What was it? 45 degree launch at 2,200 spin. You can't even do that on purpose. I challenge you to try okay? it. Okay. It took us a long, it took us a long time to get to 27 at 11,000. All right. Wow. Uh, and, and and he's had, he's had a lot of those shots in that time frame. Um. So he's been complaining. Now the ball's coming up too short. Happy days. Yeah. Okay. That one that goes up, that one that goes over the green is complete double bogey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's not good for, for, For success. So I said to Cameron, How would you explain what you're doing? He's like, "Um, Like my swing? And I go, Yeah, you know, like your swing. He's like, Well, when I was little, my grandpa told me just to hit it as far as I could. Now, understand Cameron's dad, Jeff, was from when I've been in Sacramento and heard from people, he was one of the greatest athletes in Sacramento. Right. So, I mean, this guy could really play any sport and well. So, there's obviously that, right? It, it, plus, his grandfather, Mac, was a really strong athletic guy, too. So, obviously, there's genetics in things like unicorns like him, right? He's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 not even, it's not even worth saying, look at what Cameron Chant does, because Craig Davies, who works with Cameron, will tell me a lot, like, man, we need to slow down with a couple things because he has too much mobility in his hips and his thoracic spine. When is that ever a problem? Mm-hmm. It's not a problem, is it? Right? Not often. So I'd say, I'd say, it hits it his best when he feels a little bit stiff, because then you're getting into that area of hypermobility and strength and the ability to do all that mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. stuff that could is a, is a whole other part. Yeah. Right. Um, but he just said to me, uh, basically, at the top of my swing, I feel like I'm in my left leg. So like I'm pressuring the front of my foot. Like I'm in my. He's like, I know that you're supposed to shift your weight, but I don't feel like I do that. He goes, What I do feel like is that. I 100% of my weight's on my left leg, but my upper body's behind it. And then from there, once my hips start, I just feel like everything turns into a slingshot.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, the kid just explained what it is. Yeah. Okay? You can look at ground forces all you want. You will not see people with high ratios of elastic recoil and stretch-shortened cycle aspects that are through the roof that don't hit it far. Yeah. They do. Yeah.
0: yeah it's an elastic sport. Yeah. 100%. Of course.
2: Of of course, have you heard your fellow
0: Canadian Stu McGill talk about that? He's a spine,
2: yeah. He's up at Waterloo. Yeah, that was he, he, that was probably one of the first guys I dove into when I met Craig Davies in 2001. Um, Craig had just become a chiropractor, so we were looking at all the super stiffening aspects and slack and all those different ideas, right? Um, I think when, when they did the X Factor stretch in the first part. They were in the right direction. They're just measuring the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I think I like his I like his definition of a golfer and what 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 is the specific demands of a uh, of a golfer really? Um, so mm. we like to wrap up these interviews with two questions. So I'm Swedish. Mm-hmm. Mac is half Not Texan, American, half Texas, Mexican, tex- Tex-Mex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So number one, te- exactly. te- te- Texan kid. Who is be- who is better, Annika or Lorenzo Ochoa? And then, the secondly, who is better or who is better, Stenson or Jordan Spieth?
2: Okay, so I mean, you could argue like who is better, Annika or Tiger, right? I mean, so Annika over Ochoa. Um, Thank you. People at people ask me about people ask me about Biggie Smalls, right? And and Notorious B.I.G and why I don't list him in my top five favorite MCs. And then I just say, because he didn't have enough work. There wasn't enough work, right? So you get like, to me, one of my favorite MCs is Black Thought from the Roots. I mean, he has like a catalog of a thousand songs. It's not just 20. So I love Lorena Ochoa a lot. I love the fact that she quit golf because she saw the cheating happening out there and she could not agree with it anymore. And she didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I say Annika over Lorena. Who knows if Lorena continued on, but Mm -hmm. all we know is that. Uh, Obviously, I think when you look at it, as far as how many majors has Jordan Spieth won? Three, right? Right? Henrik won. Henrik won. So how they look at golf, I mean, even Jack Nicklaus to this day, like people have arguments who's better, Jack or Tiger. Why don't they just listen to Jack's interviews when Jack says it's Tiger? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like all these people are trying to defend Jack and Jack's not even defending himself, right? Bobby Jones watched uh, Jack Nicholas and said he plays a game with what I'm not familiar. And Nicholas elicited the same response to seeing Tiger Woods, right? Uh, so I think, you know, I think you got to go obviously with Jordan now. Who's the best iron player of his generation? Uh, Henrik Stenson. Who's the best ever with a three wood? Henrik Stenson. So it just depends how you want to yeah. look at it, right? But it, 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 but I think in golf, it's going to be you know who's better, Jordan or LeBron. Well, Jordan won six. He won. Okay, it's difficult in basketball because it didn't really suck to be able to dish the ball to Steve Kerr, B.J. Armstrong, and Scottie Pippen when you had a cold. You know what I mean? In in golf, you won six championships. Of course, Michael Jordan was mainly the reason they did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen wasn't a bad number too, was
1: it? Yeah, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost in like game six or seven, right? The next year when Jordan didn't play.
2: So I'm just saying, it's, of course, Jordan is, it, it's difficult. In golf, it becomes a little bit easier, but then it becomes like, you know, who created the idea of what makes you the best. Yeah. But I think we can all agree that major championship is, T- typically, the golf courses are the most challenging, the most difficult, uh, and they have the best fields in the world. So it's always been like yeah. that. Um, there
1: we go, one and one. So I think
2: you got to go with speed. yeah We'll see if he starts winning again, so he can catch up with Henrik. But the Swedish to the the Swedish to the Texan thing is like, I mean, who's the best player and who's the who's the best player ever from? Oh, no, there's a
1: lot. There's a lot. That's the thing. But who's the be-
2: who's the best Texan ever? Is it? I mean, Byron. How many majors did he win? Not that many, actually, right? Okay, so he won 18 times in one year and 11 in a row and then said, you know what? I've kind of had it. So for the <laughs> he retired when he was like at a 66.2 scoring average. I think if Byron Nelson had continued to do what he did, we wouldn't be talking about Jack the Tiger anyways. But the fact is he stopped. So who's the best Texan now? It's got to be Hogan.
1: Hogan, yeah, most notorious for sure.
2: Well, but he won nine majors, right? Yeah, Byron won five. Right. But th- that he retired as a young yeah. man. So, I mean, will, with the way the game is now, with as much money in, there, in, in, in it as there is, will someone ever get to 18 or 19 majors again? It's going to be a very rare person who wants it that bad because a lot of guys aren't going to really have to play that long. And then I think with where the game is headed, you're probably going to see in golf, kind of a 18 to 30 age group who are doing a lot of damage, but that doesn't mean, you know, Kenny Perry Mm made $30 million in his forties. I mean, how lucky was Kenny Perry that when the ball changed and it didn't spin as much, that 30 yard hook he used to play would only move 15. Yeah. So, so much, there's so many factors, right guys? Like there's just, there's, there's just so many factors. I mean, the amount of players who commentators slow their swing down and say, you know, look at where he's coming from here. When he was playing his best, he was coming from here. When he was playing his best, he wasn't he wasn't dealing with his father dying yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, like, it's about longevity, legacy,
1: the level of play that they're putting it at, and then you know the records speak for itself. So
2: makes sense. Yeah. Look, to me, to me, it's just what I teach my kids, dude. Is just kindness. It's just kindness over everything. I don't, I don't care if they make an A, and they didn't do shit. If they make a C and they busted their ass, I'm going to support that. You know what I mean? Because if you can learn to work at it, so where there's not passion, there has to be discipline um, and then kindness over everything. So to me, someone says, oh, your son, he's so smart. That's great. Says, man, you should have seen your son day. He was so helpful with all the little kids. That's yeah, perfect. Like 100%. that's what I'm after, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you for taking the time. Always super
1: gracious. Thank you, Sean. Okay, I've learned through. a lot and big inspiration for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you say, you don't compa- compare yourself to others or look at others, but I've definitely been looking at you and trying to apply a lot of your knowledge and sort of your, your way into what we're doing here. So thanks for the inspiration. I
2: should, I, I shouldn't necessarily say that I look, I don't so much look within certain things, but, Obviously, I look for inspiration all the time because I'm reading all the time. So what I've been on to lately is like really trying to get down to the basis of being able to have like a real talk about like the prison industrial complex. I've spent the last two months studying prison industrial complexes. Mm-hmm. People are like, yeah, but that's not golf. And it's like, <laughs> I know. But to me, it's like getting to the getting getting to the point of this, this and this. Yeah, it looks Yeah, a good golf swing just looks like a big turn with a nice weight shift and some lag, but we know that's not what's happening. So, to me, is looking at other things and breaking down to get to a point of truth rather than reality because that's perceived about why things are that way. You apply it then to what it is that that you look at. You, You know what I mean? I just think it. I think everything is connected. I think we've seen through this time right now that everything is connected and. You know, it doesn't really matter, dude. Like, we're all base- basically made up of the same elements. We're made up of the same blown up stars. We're made up of the same five gases. I mean, the proteins are the same. Everything's the same. So, you know, division turns into cancer, mate. And it does that in society as well as within the human body.
0: Especially in a, go- in a sport like golf, we have a million variables. <laughs> oh, I
2: mean, you mean a trillion? Look, if, if 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 you if you have a trillion cells, and then you have like, I mean, can you imagine how many neural pathways there are? Yeah. I mean, that the last thing I would say is, you know, to any like young good players who who track onto this and listen, the guys who really lose it, like lose it, lose it. Either one, they lose their love for the game. I don't think that we should be talking about mental. Like, it, I hate the saying, like it's mental. I hate the saying, mental coach. I don't. I just, I just don't think it's named properly because to me. Like saying you're having mental issues on the golf course. When I think of mental issues, I think of like schizophrenia, bipolarity, PTSD. I think about things that you just can't control. Um, The fact that you have a terrible sense of perspective and your identity is connected to something you do, which you started doing it for fun. I think the issues are more philosophical. And when a guy loses his game, he doesn't lose his mind, loses his love for the game, his full love for the game, right? I mean, I watch these guys on tour every single week. Man, we all used to pay to play golf, and we loved it. And now we're paid well to do it, and we're miserable by it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not right. Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not. I listened to Jack Nichols last night, uh, his press conference after he won the 86 Masters. He still sounds like a 10-year-old kid talking about it. He really does. I mean, the, the guy they said is the greatest competitor of all time in our sport. Many, many players that that beat him said he was the most gracious loser of all time. I mean, maybe that's what you have to be. Maybe you have to have grace and failure in order to become excellent. So it's a lot of the discussion is on like performance. I like to spend more time thinking about what's wrong than what's, what's right, because I think Will Wu would say like to create independency with the learner. And to create an environment they will learn what's right for them as long as you keep them from doing the wrong things they will find what is right for them um i just think that's beautiful you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean i mean bill gates had business teachers uh newton had science teachers uh james baldwin had english teachers but none of them were ever they they kind of helped create the environment for those crazy brains to do what they yeah. did
1: if you didn't say, if you didn't say mental coach sean would you say like mindset coach or philo- philosoph- golf philosophy philosophical coach or what would
2: you say how would you label that i just don't i don't even know i just i just yeah. i just think we're all philosophers dude like that's what we are and i think that psychology is needed when philosophy fails and when you know when it kind of like the Mac commandments. So what are the MAC commandments in your life? What are your commandments? You know, there's the Ten Commandments, right? So basically, don't kill, don't cheat on your wife, don't do this. If you're able to do all these things at the end of your life, you'll probably have quite a few people at your funeral. I don't it's to me, it's a failure of virtue and values and that idea of essentialism and all of those things. So to me, I, I just think that we're so capable. Um, I, I, I don't think, I don't think well-being is built. I think well-being is blocked. I've never seen, I've never had to tell a three-year-old kid to calm down and enjoy
0: himself. The way you're talking about it, it's almost like more of a guide. It's not a, it's not a teacher, an instructor. You're a coach that is enabling someone
2: to perform at their potential. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I, I think, I think he did it not knowingly. But I think one of the best to do that, especially with great players, is Butch Harmon by mm-hmm. far. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean Butch will even make a joke that he can't even spell by mm-hmm. So, um, which I, I I would tell him <laughs> not to brag about that. But <laughs> um, you know, but, but 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 all these young instructors today will say, "Oh yeah, you know, shift your weight, keep it wide, you know, do this." What's Butch Harmon though? And it's like, guys, you honestly just said that, okay? Oh. If you ask Jimmy Walker, Butch Hartman was the first person who made him believe that he could do what he did. I mean, is that not what it is?
0: That's coaching the person.
2: So they'll say, well, if you look, he's still coming down way too steep at this and that. And it's like, well guys, that's $15 million ago, a major and three other wins. So yeah, but if he'd only just shallowed it and did it this way and was able to open up better and all that, and I'm like, so after doing what he did for 21 years and becoming very competitive on the PGA tour, you would just quickly go into that so that he would have such a two-way miss that he would not even be on the Canadian tour. In <laughs> like, it's like, look, it's like when you start dating your wife, right? You know, you may hold hands the first date and you might get a kiss on the third. I mean, you not go for everything right away. That's not the yeah, right I thing. Wish, I wish I had known that. One step you know?
1: yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, stay safe, dude. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Enjoy the time with your family, man.
2: <laughs> I, all right, I can do I I can do all those things. All right. The same the same the same the same part is not really that fun, so I won't right, do
0: that. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Take care and have- see, you, see you guys. Bye all bye. Right. Peace.